The Prime Minister's off to uh, NATO meetings just days after uh, Britain, one of our NATO partners, uh, said, pay up, will ya? Right? Also comes after we were left out of the biggest NATO exercises to be held since World War II because our planes don't work. Nonetheless, there'll be a lot of conversations with our NATO allies about money and uh, weapons and military readiness that Trudeau is going to have to answer for. So uh, I guess ahead of his Latvia visit, he promised to double the size of our Latvian mission, committing $2.6 billion in funding over three years and 2,200 troops, who apparently don't have to buy their own uh, lunch or helmet. Will it take the uh, heat off Trudeau? I doubt it. Um, we are nowhere near the bottom line that we're supposed to. The other conversation I'm sure that will be had between NATO allies is... Joe Biden's decision to send Ukraine cluster bombs. And this is something that the Trudeau government condemned over the weekend because we are one of 123 countries that are against the use of these weapons. But the Biden administration says, hey, look, Ukraine's out of weapons. They have no ammunition. They need this. So we don't have a choice. Let us ask someone who would know all about this following it. Christian Luprecht, Royal Military College, senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and author of his latest book, I think it's right, to Cooperation Governance, the Canada-United States Open Border Paradox. It's been a while. Good to have you. Good morning, Alex. That, Pleasure. That is your latest, right? I mean, you've written so many. I'm like, which, which book are we on now? Yeah, so this will be coming out uh, in uh, October. Um, and uh, it's about understanding how security relationships and uh, cooperation management along that border have evolved over the last uh, 20 years, uh, since it's sort of arguably the most uh, uh, open and well-managed border that uh, we have uh, perhaps in the world in terms of both security cooperation and trade cooperation. It's an interesting case study for how we actually make borders work. Yeah, a little light conversation there. Um, let's talk a little bit about the visit. So you heard, obviously, the prime minister's made some kind of funding announcement for a Latvia mission, albeit I think it probably should have been made before we found out that our soldiers had to literally buy their own food because they didn't have any money from the government. Um, the significance of this, or do you look at this as they're trying? he's trying to wallpaper over the bigger uh, conversation, which would be about our lack of financing for NATO? So I think there's a few issues here. So one is that this is kind of playing catch up. Germany announced that, that uh, they're going to station a brigade with 4,000 members permanently in Lithuania. Um, and of course, the Americans already have a significant contribution to Poland. Uh, and so that put Canada under duress to upgrade its commitment and to make this sort of a permanent rather than a rotational commitment. Problem is, of course, uh, the size of that commitment is, if you remember Afghanistan, at the height of Afghanistan, we had 2,200 people deployed, and that almost broke the Canadian Armed Forces. Mm -hmm. um, and today we have an organization that is less well-equipped, less well-financed, uh, and significantly more short-staffed than during uh, during Afghanistan. So this commitment is an extremely significant commitment for the Canadian Armed Forces and for the Prime Minister to make. And it means that under the current funding, resourcing, and staffing levels, that something else is going to have to give. Uh, the other challenge is, of course, we don't have some of the equipment that's necessary for this commitment. So for instance, um, air defense when it comes to drones, to missiles, but also some of the artillery, uh, 
both uh, tube artillery as well as sort of some of the HIMARS, for instance, launchers. Uh, so uh, our deterrent effect is going to be limited. And so it means the government is going to need to double down uh, on some of the procurement that's uh, that's required. Plus, it raises further questions about readiness. Canada, mm. of course, recently um, opted out of a major yeah. um, air, particular logistics exercise in well, Germany well, because we did simply we opt didn't out have or the were commitments. We not, were we not invited? Which was it? Because um, well, not much was said about it, but it was very embarrassing. So, so it's a NATO, it's a NATO exercise that Germany, uh, Germany ran that was yeah. five years in the planning. Um, and Canada fairly early on opted out, uh, my best understanding is simply because, I mean, it's NATO. So no contribution is too small to be turned back, right? So if Canada had said all we're providing is two Air Force officers and that's all we got, uh, then they would have been welcomed. But the fact that we opted out altogether is an indication of, um, as the chief of defense staff has highlighted repeatedly just how incredibly stretched this organization is and it is all about reconstitution it's making sure this organization can deliver and it's an indication that on readiness that is to say the ability to deploy let alone deploy on short notice to support uh, what we have uh, in Latvia is a real problem and for purposes of our commitment to NATO and for purposes of deterrence and collective defense I mean there's thousands of kilometers between us and Latvia um, and we currently simply don't have the readiness to be able to deploy on short notice. Uh, and, and so the prime minister is going to, I think, have to do a very significant job, not just at selling um, our other NATO members that Canada can actually deliver on its assurances, um, but also need to make a very significant commitment on actually the Canadian Armed Forces and making sure it actually has the staffing, um, and the equipment it needs to be able to deliver both on the commitment that the prime minister is making and on the readiness that ultimately supports that commitment. Yeah, and it doesn't help that uh, it was leaked out that he already said we will never meet our target and, you know, we just have not uh, been serious about it. The other conversation obviously will be about these cluster bombs. Um, you know, uh, Joe Biden has already said, look, I, we understand that, that – um, Ukraine wants in NATO, they're not going to get in, but they do need weapons, they need ammunition, so we're going to send them this. But it's contentious because these weapons tend or can kill a lot of, you know, innocent people caught in the crossfire of them and Canada is against them. But the United States is not. I don't see how this gets a lot of pushback given, you know, if they need the, the weapons, Christian, then they need the weapons. So... Look, this is your quintessential typical smug Canadian. Oh, yeah, we're <laughs> fully behind uh, Ukraine. Uh, we'll provide whatever it is we need. It just uh, don't make us ask for the stuff that Ukraine actually needs uh, on the ground in order to defend themselves and push back against the Russian invasion. We're only going to provide the equipment that sort of aligns with our values and with our morals. Look, there's nothing under international law here that prohibits the United States or any other country to provide those munitions. And why are we providing them? One is because Canada and other member countries slow pedaled initially the provision of the appropriate weapons to Ukraine and then subsequently were slow in delivering, in particular on the ammunition that Ukraine needs when it is firing between eight, uh, between five and seven thousand artillery shells a day and is confronted with the Russians firing 10 to 30,000 shells a day. Um, and so this is really a stopgap solution for the fact that we were slow out of the starting blocks and it should be a reminder that we need to make sure we provide the right equipment to Ukraine when Ukraine actually need it, needs it rather than sort of risk managing and slow pedaling and then being moralizers saying like, oh, you know, we're not 
not sure about whether that's the right uh, weaponry to provide. The reality is we're having to provide it uh, because Ukraine does not have the other uh, elements that uh, had been assured. And in particular, uh, the uh, uh, that is procurement and delivery of uh, artillery munitions. Mm-hmm. And it's turned out that that's a, a real challenge for NATO member countries to provide because we don't have the defense procurement mechanisms uh, set up uh, to oblige. Yeah, ugh, it's so scary how far behind we aren't allowed ourselves uh, to get. I mean, Russia's been using these for quite a while. And so do you see this as a turning point or is it just a stopgap? I, I think this summit is going to be a turning point, and we can only hope that with the defense policy update, um, uh, this is going to be a wake-up call for Canada. Mm-hmm. But look, I think even the prime ministers had a bit of a premonition in terms of and epiphany in terms of uh, the reputational damage done. The challenge is, of course, that there's a significant uphill battle and uh, and headwinds within cabinet because I think there's a significant number of cabinet members that simply. Um, aren't interested in defense file or don't want to fund defense um, or have other priorities. So, uh, um, uh, well, uh, uh, I think this is, the defense file tends to be a weak file for liberal governments. Um, And, uh, you know, I think we criticize the prime minister, but we need to remember the prime minister has to contend with cabinet. uh, And I think cabinet continues to be deeply divided on both defense overall and in particular in our commitments to both NATO and Ukraine. Despite polling saying spend, spend, spend and get it going. But uh, all right, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Very much appreciate your time on this, Christian. My pleasure, Alex. Great uh, to have an opportunity to catch up. Have a good morning. You as well. Thank you. That's Christian Lebrecht over the Royal Military College. And uh, he all, he's he got books. That man has written a lot of books. But if you're interested in his latest, it's uh, Cooperation Governance, the Canada-United States Open Border Paradox. So we'll get you an update.